We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Saka, Gabriel Martinelli, and rest of the Arsenal men despair as Frida Monham has surely won Goal of the Year. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, the black man on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. I'm sorry, Bukayo, your, your goal against United was, was a thing of beauty. Um, we've had some sensational goals scored by the men this season, but none of them will be winning goal of the season because... The goal of the season was scored by Freedom Onum against Bayern Munich and Arsenal's second leg victory, sending them to the Champions League uh, semifinals. If you haven't seen it, it's one touch football on the edge of the area, finished off with a Cruyff turn to Frida, uh, a Cruyff flick, I should say, to Frida. And then with no backlift, she just lasers one. Top bins, as the kids say upper left 90, however you want to say it, she just sticks it in the postage stamp. It is a stunning goal. Uh, we will talk briefly about Arsenal progressing to the Champions League semifinal, as uh, Clive, I think, has some words to say on that. Tim, unable to make it to the pod today. He got to speak about the Derby victory on our last episode, and I'm sure he will have more to say anon. Rumors of a solo pod coming. I will let you know that we did a Declan Rice scouting video for patrons, and... um. The less said about it, the better, I think, is what I will say. I will leave you to your own devices if you choose to uh, pursue it and listen to it. Uh, you may come away with your own thoughts, and I'd be curious to hear them. I know uh, lots of people have their thoughts about me, but I'll be curious to hear your thoughts about him. Uh, in that pod, we did laugh quite a bit at Tottenham, so that's certainly a thing that you can listen to. Uh, and we talked about Bukayo Saka potentially becoming the richest man on the planet and why that is well-deserved. So, that's all there for you. Huge announcement coming Saturday that I hope you will look out for on social media. It will also be on the podcast on Monday. Uh, and then a very special podcast midweek on Wednesday. We've got some celebrity Arsenal legends coming on the pod in April. And lots and lots of good stuff coming, including the run-in. And I ask you, are we ready for it? Like emotionally. Are you ready for it? Because I've been thinking about who I am as a human being, what I've been through, my lived experience. I don't, I don't know that I'm ready for it. I don't know that I'm going to be able to, to survive it. 
And I certainly don't know that I'm ready for it. Uh, so if you are ready for it, good for you. Here to hopefully be ready for this podcast with me is Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Hello, Paz. Woohoo. Okay. Uh, <laughs> clearly not ready for it. And Clive, you can find him on Twitter at Clive. Say hello, Clive. Hello, hello. You see, Clive, I, I see you. I just know that I see you. We did the scouting video. We ran the rule over the player. And there you are in people's mentions, reposting comps, reposting Twitter comps. What I'm I, saying I is, in life, you can't rush to conclusion. You have to allow people to go through their own I process. I disagree. I <laughs> you have to allow people to go through their own process when we're assessing hypotheticals. And that's it's the fun of the game. I love it. it. Is. I absolutely it is. love it. Positional disagreements, style disagreements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mate, bring it all in. Because none of us really it, know. It's just a journey. I love me. I love it. If there's one thing the internet and social media in particular is known for, it's fun, polite disagreement. So we should continue that tradition. Um, okay, Clive, uh, Arsenal get past Bayern Munich to head to the Champions League semifinal, maybe to right a wrong against Wolfsburg. We shall see. Um, I, the whole game isn't just Frida. I mean, the game had a lot in it. There were awful calls by the referee, which we should be used to in Europe by this point. Um there was some sensational football by Arsenal. Probably should have been four or five to the good, to be honest, which was the story of the first leg, too, to some extent. Yeah. But this Monum goal was... I, I mean, I, I am not over-egging it. It is a a really lovely bit of one-touch football on the edge of the area and then one of the best hits you'll see um, into the postage stamp. Like, it's, it's a really, really extraordinary goal. And to score that in the Champions League as the opening goal is something else... Uh, really happy for them. Thought it was a great performance. Your your thoughts on on Arsenal advancing in the semifinals? Yeah, it's a it's a big night for the club, really. And that was uh, Edu and Arteta that showed you what a big night was for the club because they were in attendance. So what I will say, let's give you a bit of a overview because Tim's on here today and he's probably glad that I'm not actually WhatsApping him now, asking him questions, which I do on a daily basis about what's happened and what's what's happening. So this is my second game to the Emirates this season. So, and I really feel as though there's been a huge effort within the club to get the uh, get the girls to the Emirates. So when they do, I, I try to go, and they are wonderful football occasions. So for those people like me that primarily focus on the men's and have wondered what it's like going to the women's games, I I highly recommend it. It, it really is a wonderful atmosphere, a wonderful way to look at football. It really is, and. Uh, I don't want to differentiate the games. I watched women's football for years, but when you watch it live, I can't get over the intensity and the speed and the competitiveness of the game. It, it definitely translates live in a completely different way than it does on TV, in my opinion. And so to this game, obviously it's a very wet night night last night, and the Champions League has been something that only Arsenal have won, and from an English team perspective, and... This is it's becoming bigger and bigger as the game is growing. And I have many conversations with team about the expansion of the game and how how quickly it's expanding in certain aspects and how it needs to be, you know, fed properly from the bottom up in the academies, etc. Which the manager also is very much aware of and is very much a thought leader in this in this area. So mm-hmm. on this whole tie, I watched the first leg and the second leg, obviously they're live. Also should have won by more. I think they had 20 plus shots in the first leg and I think a 14 or 15 in the second leg. And so they were a dominant team and it's good that everyone saw that in this game and there was no hard luck stories. 
It was really positive go-forward football. If you ask me, my football head on, I thought we sat back a little bit after the second goal. I'd like to third goal just to make it comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just that's just a fan in me. You know, give me the third goal so I can get my hot dogs in. Thanks. Do you know what I mean? And um, But it was a little bit nervous towards the end, a couple of corners, but well-deserved and a really good night for, for the club and for the women's team in particular. Yeah. Yeah, well said. And I mean, the one thing that you don't have because you don't have the away goals rule, when you when you do have that lead, you're not as worried that like, you know, you could get sucker punched, knocked out. You know what I mean? It, it's a little different. Um, so I, I think the way you maybe play the end game in those ties is going to be a little different. We, we may have seen that, but you're a really good night for them. Let's um Let's shift gears a bit. There's not a ton of news, but there is some news. And this feels again like a pivotal weekend. I mean, it, it seems silly to say a pivotal weekend in the in the title race because they're all going to feel that way now. But Arsenal have a home game where we will be heavily favored, and City have a home game where they will, I think, equally be favored. But uh, certainly, one of the games you'd have of their eleven remaining where you think they could drop points. So uh, it's a visit from Leeds to the Emirates and a visit uh, from Liverpool to the Etihad. Paul, let's start with the lead situation and the the trap game mindset. We've talked about trap games before. Uh, I think some people have, have understood what a trap game is better than others. So let's restate it. A, a trap game is a situation where you're coming off either an emotional high or a time when you've been unplugged or whatever the case may be into a game that you're expected to win comfortably with a very big, difficult game on the horizon after it, such that it's a trap right? Because you might look past it. You might be thinking ahead. And this is the classic example. We go to Anfield where we have obviously a, a dreadful record. Uh, that's next weekend. We're coming off an international break where players' heads may not be fully focused, although many of them did not go away, which is great. Uh, Bukayo Saka comes back having supernova somewhat. We can touch on that as well. And you come back to a situation where Leeds are missing some key players, Tyler Adams, Nanto, um, Another one. <laughs> Vuber. Vuber. Okay, thank you. V no, Vuber. 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 Uh, and, and Arsenal have some decisions to make about risking certain players, about maybe being a little bit careful with certain important players to make sure that they're available for Anfield. So at a high level, you know, we're, we're monitoring Thomas Party, who was in training, William Saliba, who was not. Maybe Bukayo Saka, who played a lot. You know, is, is this a game where you rest him? How do you think about this game in terms of it potentially being a trap and if there is any thought of being quote-unquote careful with this game with an eye towards Anfield. Yes, well, as you know, not being American, I struggle with the term uh, trap game. We've had a number of discussions around that. To me, almost every game meets the definition of a trap game for one side or the other. <laughs> so, yes, this weekend is some kind of a trap game. It's a trap, guys. And we better not fall into it. No, I think we're going to smash them this weekend. I think we're going to be all up for it, uh, all keyed in. We're going to fall into this rhythm of playing one game every week. Uh, the manager is going to have his team in training. He's going to basically know what he's dealing with. We'll have a week to plan for a team. Um, we know who leads are. Um, they've got three guys, it looks like, who will be... Uh, injured and out, which gives them some questions. Uh, I read some leads, uh, Twitter comments that basically were saying, uh, 
right. Well, let's let let's save ourselves. Let's bring our players back for a game we could actually win. Um, and I like that this Arsenal is now a team that other teams say, mm, "We're going to the Emirates. We're we're not at that level. We've got big things we're fighting for or to avoid. Let's uh, let's manage ourselves. I mean, they'll, they'll come out, they'll play, uh, we'll score a goal, and they'll say." we got to save ourselves for the next one, guys. These guys are just too good. Um, For me, the big thing at this point going in, I I think we'll be there. We'll be all keyed up. We'll be ready. The big thing is that your holdings, your Jorginho's, everybody's competing to get in this team. And you might say, well, Jorginho can't be competing with party and holding can't be competing with Saliba. Well, what they're competing to do is to show that they're ready, they're good enough, that the manager will use them in the run-in so that if he's not quite sure party's ready, he doesn't feel the urgency to put party in. If he's if Saliba takes a little longer to get back, uh, the manager feels comfortable. All these guys want to play an important role, even if it's not a starting role, even if it's not huge minutes, that they have their moments in each game. And I just think we're so well set up at this stage to for the manager and the players to think through their role in the next 10 games. There's a lovely rhythm that comes playing every week and and players knowing where they are in it. So I'm feeling pretty good about this. I'm not actually nervous. Uh, um, <laughs> I, given the situation we're in, it's incredible to me how not nervous I am. Um, Scott and I did our stats, stats guy in the civilian. I see you're chomping to get in there. And this is a quick one. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I think the first team that fucks up is in big trouble between us and City. Mm. Like, if they drop three points against a team they shouldn't and we go 11 ahead, that psychologically is huge. If we quickly drop three points and go from eight to just five and then we have to play them at the Etihad and, you know, that's huge. So, for me, it's first team to fuck up is in big doo-doo here. Yeah, and I mean, I think... That's what makes this weekend feel so pivotal, pivotal in a way. And by the way, I, I'm going to call just a gentle bullshit on your you're not nervous thing. But, you, you know, you do the Eastern philosophy thing and, and yoga and breathing. And so it's, it's I possible, do. I guess. I do the mainlining coffee and AG1. And so, like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wired a little differently. I am, as the kids say, built different. Um, but, but, Clive, so, well, just to finish that thought, where it's really going to get intense is when City start having these Champions League fixtures midweek, right? Bayern, Bayern, maybe then Madrid and Madrid. They need to hold serve between now and then. And to, to Paul's point, if we were to get the three points on Saturday, as having with City having dropped any points, it does start to feel really, really like, like critical condition for City. I'm not expecting Liverpool to, to do us any favors, unfortunately. Um I think defensively they're quite weak, which which is a worry. But there may be no Holland, and 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 it'll be an interesting thing if Holland's not available, Clive. Because and, and by the way, interesting to see if City risk him because I think it's a groin injury, right? And groin injuries are the kind of thing where you can make it worse, right? You can keep you can keep yourself out longer. Are City more worried about that Bayern tie on the horizon? Or are they more worried about you know beating Liverpool at the weekend? Do you have a thought on? City potentially without Holland and and how we might get a little preview this weekend of whether they have one eye on the Champions League or, or taking it one game at a time. How do you think they might approach it? 
Yeah, uh, let's do some mental gymnastics, should we? As we're all doing these sums. Uh, usually, that's my that's my area. But <laughs> after without, you, I insist. <laughs> so, how sad are you going to go? But first things first. I know people who are meeting in the pub very early because mm. the City Liverpool game is on first, and obviously that feeds straight into a three o'clock kickoff. So there could be a lot of. <laughs> a lot of dead bodies in gutters on Saturday night. I tell you that for nothing. <laughs> because it's going to be an early start around the ground and it could be a, a city do drop points. We go into Leeds. If we do gain ground, it's going to feel very, very different. Back to Paul's point. I think for Leeds, they have us and I think they have Forest and Palace, then Liverpool. Which two games are they going to focus on? Back to Paul's point. Forest and Palace, I think, midweek next week, and I think on the weekend. And you got Arsenal away. For Leeds to do what they need to do, Forest and Palace are massive games. Absolutely massive games. They're top and tail by Liverpool and Arsenal. So which two are you going to focus on? So yeah. that's why Paul's probably not as nervous as he normally would be. Right? So, <laughs> so and Leeds do are making those type of decisions. And, and for, for Man City now, what we need to do is to keep winning to force them to make the decisions that you are insinuating earlier about what games are important to them. And we know as a club, Man City, the Champions League is absolutely critical to them and the manager's um, perception and credibility, even though he's the best manager in modern times and won the Champions League already and won leagues in three countries. That doesn't mean nothing. You're as good as your last training session, Pep. you got to win a Champions League. And so we keep raising the bar on him. And, and, and I think they're focused on it. I think they have a team which is built to win cups. I really feel that. And every now and again, they can drop the ball, particularly away from home in the league. Do not underestimate how much Liverpool do not like Man City. You know, they have been in the war with them for four or five years. Do not underestimate how they would love to do what Chelsea did to Spurs in the Battle of the Bridge and kick their legs away at the right moment. You know, don't underestimate how Liverpool, on their day, as they've shown against Manchester United, when they turn up with everything on, they are still Liverpool. They just can't maintain it three days a week at the moment as they used to be able to. And that's why they had 90 point plus seasons. Don't underestimate that battle, that edge. And I, I really feel there could be a, an issue this weekend for them. I, I think Liverpool are going to show. I think they're improving and they need to show because they need to get to the top four and result against City will help them in that quest. So obviously, Liverpool have a week of um, City, Chelsea, then Arsenal, I believe. So we're the last game in their three game week, and I'd rather be the last game when they've been, you know, flagged out a little bit by those two other uh, top football clubs. So, in a in a week or so's time, the next podcast we do in a week or so time, I wonder what the theme will be of that podcast. I wonder how relaxed we'll be. I wonder how potentially excited <laughs> we could be. I wonder how nervous and petrified we could be. We could be all of the above. Right, but I think it's my, my sphincter is not going to be loosened until the end of May. So let's just be clear <laughs> about that. Like, it's just it's so gonna, the next yeah. week or so, Elliot. Honestly, mate, it's going to be different. It's going to be different after Anfield. We go to Anfield. We're going to know something, you know. And um, yeah, it's going to become reality, or it's going to be absolutely back in the Newcastle Spurs washing machine we were in the end of last season. The, the interesting thing is, I mean, it, you want to talk about little favors like Liverpool might get City without Holland. It looks like we're catching leads without quite a few important players. 
to give us potential room to rest some that are borderline, then we play Liverpool on the back of City and Chelsea, right? They have City Saturday. They have Chelsea, I believe, Tuesday. Yes, ma'am. And then, (laughs) yeah, no, right, 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 right. No, I know. And it's because you said they're playing on three days a week, but, and then, and then we, we have the week off. And so, I mean, yeah, the the luck might be there, but uh, where I was going with that is that I think given that we have some players that we might want to nurse our way into Anfield, you know, and, and this time of the season, the advantage of that, like I, 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 Paul, I don't think you ever want to look past a team and people get mad when you suggest that. But you have to be thoughtful about where you need to be strongest. And like, I, I think if it has to be Jorginho and Rob Holding at the weekend, I'm not going to feel great about that. But I feel that those players should be able to come in and help us win this game at home to Leeds. Um, yeah. I, 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 you know, I can't get away from that. The one that I'm interested in, though, let's talk a little lineup stuff here. Gabriel Jesus has been sitting at London Colney all week with Mikel Arteta chirping about how ready he is, I am sure. Leo Trossard's been going away and I think winning two games for Belgium. Um, Gabriel Martinelli's been sitting there raring to go at Colney. Bukayo Saka has been off elevating his stardom with a beautiful assist for a guy that plays for England and then a, a picture book goal. I'm sure Jesus and Martinelli have been working on their their little rhythms and and their uh, automatisms, as as Hall of Famer Arsene Wenger would say. Do you expect that this might be the game where we see Jesus from the start, given that he's been there, training away, ready to go, while uh, Leo's been off with his country? It feels like a fifty fifty, doesn't it? Could to really me, go either way, like a seventy five twenty five. I I would because I think so. So let me just say this. If there's a game where you want to see if Jesus is ready to be the guy, home to Leeds after two weeks of being at Colney training while your other guy was off with his country and not training, this feels like the time. If not now, when? You know? Yeah. And look, you can bring Trossard on on 65 minutes. He'll get a good 30-minute burst against a tiring Leeds. Um, you can't miss, really. Um, you get Jesus back in the mix. Uh, Martinelli nice and fresh it's like it's just great I, I don't know if we'll get 10 games of feeling like we really have a bench I mean City have a hell of a bench is one of the challenges but we've got this far we're 8 points ahead uh, with a game ga- uh, they have a game in hand but we're 8 points ahead at this point in the season with a bench that's that kind of hasn't been there for a lot of the time and now the bench is Stocked and stacked with attacking options, Vieira, Smith Rowe, uh, Nelson, etc., all ready to do some some dangerous minutes for us. Trossard or Jesus coming off the bench, and so we've got to where we are with uh, a thin bench, and now we've got a pretty healthy bench. Um, like if you can do that, and with with this nice rhythm going, I I think we're well set up. The manager, like you say, he. Well, like I say, he could go either way at the weekend with Jesus or Trossard. You're probably right. This is the right game uh, to get Jesus going. But, like, he can't lose right now. And his real challenges are the subbings. And, like, Jesus or Trossard, neither of them is going to be too sad to get in a really good 30 minutes uh, and get that into their legs and perform. Smith Rowe needs some minutes now that he's coming back to. Like, we've got lots of good players who need some minutes here. 
Um, and like the competition in training and to get that sub spot, the first sub, the second sub, they're going to be absolutely gagging, gagging to get on the pitch so they can lock in their role for this 10-game run. This is the competition. The, Really positive competition you want within the squad going into this run. This is the run in. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you nailed that. And Clive, like the we we were so panicked about Gabriel Jesus being out for as long as he was, and like here we are um, in the run in TM, and we're talking about when does he get his starting place back? I, I think it has to be now. I, I really do, not because Trissard's done anything to lose it, but just because of all the reasons I've laid out. And I'm sort of wondering, if if there's any need to rest Bukayo Saka, would it be in this game? Now, we've seen absolutely no indication that Mikel would ever do that. Um, and I don't know if there's any need to do that. We know that Mikel feels that Bukayo should be able to play every game. But that would be an option. You could start Martinelli off the right or Trissard off the right with Jesus through the middle or even Jesus off the right. He did for City, obviously, a lot. So do you agree with my supposition that Jesus will come back in from the start and have any inkling that that Bakayo could be rested? And to be fair, as you always point out, don't just think in terms of who starts the game. Bakayo might be slated to play 59 and a half minutes and, and come off at that point. So uh, thoughts on the front three, General? Yeah, I I think Jesus. I, I would like to see Jesus start in a home game. More importantly, I'd like to see him score. He's yeah. a streaky scorer. And I don't think he's scored since a North London derby at home. I may be wrong, and someone will tell me. Um, and I remember seeing the headed goal at Brentford. I thought, oh, what have we got here? I love that goal. You know, and look, clip cross from Shaka, and he headed it in when he's going behind him, and he stuck it top corner. I'm thinking, wow. And I thought he was just going to keep scoring. And then it slowed down, but our play didn't slow down. So we all sort of, um, we excused it. Then he got injured, come back, and he hasn't scored yet. And so, and for me, he hasn't looked sharp enough to score. So I'm hoping over those last two weeks, he's sharpened up, you know, got his minutes in, in the bank. Now he's sharpened up with some speed training, some sprint training, and he's sharpened up his agility because that agility intensity is not where it was, but it won't take long to come back. And I think that's going to be so important to have him for Anfield, actually, just to go in there with with him as your line leader, I think would be really important. But as you've already alluded to earlier, I, I care more about the group, the front group. And since we were having our Eddie discussions at Christmas when we were all petrified when Jesus came out, we've recovered Smith Rose up to a point. We found Reese Nelson. You know, again, somebody that can contribute late in games. And we've added Trossard to this group. And so the whole conversation narrative has changed. And now we have these, we've seen these guys on the pitch. Apart from Smith Rowe, they've all had a moment this year that's been really, really positive. And so we need to just keep thinking group. And we have the ability to change, to change, make changes, to rest, look at the game state and make decisions. I have this little worry in my head. Um, Leave that oh, to me. Yeah, I have just a little worry in my head. <laughs> and this is why just taking the game, the next game, and just taking the points is really important because it takes away the stress, it takes away the decisions under stress. I remember the lead up to the City game and Ben White dropped a bit of form. I went to the Brentford game. I thought Ben White was excellent. The next game was City at home. We made a change. And I think that change 
cost us in that game, as well as missing chances, so I say. But I think he gave them a leg up into that game. And we made a decision under pressure with a multitude of games that were upcoming. And we, did, we made a decision. And in hindsight, by the way, we've made many right decisions this year. In hindsight, I didn't agree with it. Some people say, as a right decision club, we just didn't score our goals. Absolutely fine. But I felt our first goal was important. We made a mistake. And it, it cost us. And so I think for me, and this is something I want us to learn, making decisions under pressure that are really important to cover injury is mm. key. And, uh, you know, I don't want to see, I don't want to see certain people playing out of position to cover an injury. We, we're better squad depth now. We're not so bereft. We are trusting more people. We need to continue to do so so we don't do things like playing Granite Shaka at left back and things like that. I'm not saying that's the case, but you know what I mean? We made a decision mm-hmm. under pressure to react from injury. And I want to see us take the pressure away by creating a gap. And then we can just move on through the season. And I think that's that's the key thing. And we have that gap. None of us talk about that gap, are we? We have eight point lead, but we don't feel it, do we? Because we know that things change in the last 10 games. Everything becomes bigger. So we've just got to focus on the next one, mate. I know it sounds boring, but if we get there, it could be very exciting. Yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, it's interesting looking at Leeds because they are sort of the quintessential mid-table team in some ways in terms of just statistically speaking. Um you know, from a from a pure point standpoint, they sit 14th. They're on 26th. They're definitely in the relegation battle. They're <clears throat> they're two points above the drop. If you look at their expected goals, <clears throat> they're excuse me. <clears throat> that was pleasant for everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. They are presently sort of mid table ish on 34 expected goals, and on expected goals allowed, they're down there, sort of near the bottom. 41.9 expected goals allowed, just below Villa, just above Leicester and, and Forest. So. You know, the, I think when you look at that and then you take out the players that are missing, there's a tendency to think, oh, easy win. Now, someone, it's funny, I had, I had, I had made the point that we're going to be facing a weakened Leeds team on Saturday. Uh, and someone on Twitter was like, oh, yeah, well, you thought we would beat Bournemouth. And I was like, we did beat Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I want to do it that way, but I, I have it on good authority uh, and a hazy memory that we did beat Bournemouth. So it doesn't matter how you get there. Although, yeah, yeah, yeah Clive. I also say Leeds of yesteryear has changed. So obviously Jesse March has, has gone and they brought in Yavi Gracia, is it? Ex Watford mm-hmm. guy. And he stabilized them. They had a great win against Wolves away last game. And he has stabilized them defensively. So the whole harem scarum man marking man to man leads with loads of gaps and spaces have disappeared and they've become a lot more structured, a lot more defensively minded. And so I'm not saying it's going to be difficult. I, I don't know what's going to happen on Saturday because I've not seen them close enough. But it's not the We're Leeds. Kill them, Clive. We're going to yeah, kill them. <laughs> hope so. But it's not the Leeds. Just take the old Leeds out of your head. That's what I'm trying to say. There's a new Leeds here, and they're focused on survival and how they go about it. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, for for sure. I mean, um, no Tyler Adams. You know who I think is an important part of how they are able to control any of the midfield space. No Nanto, who's a, a really bright attacking player off the left for them. Um, no Vuber. You know, they, no Vuber, you know, starting center back for them. And I think as any team, not, you know, this is where I think mid table, lower table, top table, all have something in common. When your starting center backs are out, it can get pretty thin pretty quick. So 
you know, from that standpoint, there might be a little bit of an edge there. I want to talk a little bit more Bukayo Saka, a little bit Emil Smith Rowe. There's a couple other things about this game I want to get into and 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 look at City a little more. But um, and and Clive is is mumbling into a muted microphone, so I'm going to assume he meant that. Okay, he meant that. That's good. That's good. We're we're on fire here. Very very Thursdayish pod that we're that we're pr- producing for you here. But as as much as I want to get to all of those uh, important important details. I did mention uh, earlier that I am mainlining Athletic Greens AG1, and you may want to know, well, what does that mean exactly that you are mainlining Athletic Greens AG1? Well, I'm glad you asked, listener. Let me tell you what that means. It means that I am getting all of the key benefits of the 75 high-quality vitamin, vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, adaptogens, probiotics that are in AG1. I take it with uh, just water, scoop of it in water a day. Um, it is going to be something that that well i let me let me speak to my my reason for finding it at first um long before they were sponsoring this podcast was for gut health i had some gut health issues that were bothering me i had a friend recommend it uh as he had been using it for similar needs and uh and i found it to be really beneficial for that but then in addition to that i looked on the shelf in the kitchen where i kept all my vitamins and supplements and it was basically like six jars of these gummy things, you know, so you have a gummy for this and a gummy for that and a gummy for this. And you look on the back and the first ingredient is sugar. And they, you know, honestly did not feel like I was getting any benefit from this. This is for energy recovery, um, for gut health. Obviously it gets you your vitamins. So you don't need to take all those gummies. You can wipe all that stuff off the shelf. You can get AG one. It's less than the price of a, of a fancy coffee a day. Uh, I've actually been able to reduce some coffee consumption, which was something I think I wanted to do, which may also have that gut health benefit as well. Athletic Greens is by athletes for athletes as well. So if you're looking for something to improve uh, improve athletic performance and recovery, it's great for that. Very simple. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash vision. That's athleticgreens.com slash vision. Check it out. And this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I'll make this quick. I went to see a therapist once upon a time, not because I was in crisis, but because I was struggling and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. I have been someone who throughout my life has really made a focus and emphasis to try to be um, cognizant of, of exercise because I know it's important for my body to stay physically fit and trying to be conscious of what I eat a little bit, not as much as I should be, because I know it's important to be healthy. And yet somehow we don't think about tending to our mental well-being in that same way. And it should absolutely be thought of in the same way. Better help can make access to that easier. Right, They can make access to that more affordable, more easy. You don't have to get in the car and drive to an office and find the time to get there. You can do it camera on or camera off, depending on the level of comfort you have. You can find someone that feels like a fit for you, someone that's a fit for the particular expertise, area of expertise you need. All right? So I think in terms of finally deciding to prioritize your mental health, better help is access to therapy, real therapy done online. You can do it now. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash vision today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash vision. Clive. Is that enough of that? Indeed. Got it. Okay, back to the nonsense. Paul, um, you are vehemently against Bukayo Saka ever getting any rest. You and Mikel Arteta, you must be besties. Um, Beautiful assist for England, scored a worldie for England. His star is continually on the rise. He's no longer a star boy. He really is a star man. Um, and he is he is in the ascendancy. I, 
I, I guess I, there's always going to be that part of me that thinks everybody needs a little rest. There was some chart going around recently showing minutes played at this age and how he compared to Wayne Rooney and other players like that. And could he peak at an earlier age? Well, he's a long way off us having to worry about that. He's only 21. What do you think about the rumors of the 300,000 pound a week deal and the, the starring role for England and all the things swirling around him right now? And, you know, as he becomes a, a global superstar, increasingly a global superstar, and and whether that changes anything about how he has to be managed or how he has to focus. I mean, can you, can you, I'm not saying there's a problem, by the way. I'm not saying there's a there there. I'm just saying, what, what are your thoughts on sort of the, the Saka milieu at the moment as it, as it becomes increasingly about his, his global superstar? Uh, it's great. Look, he's backing it up on the pitch, how he handles himself, how he handles himself in the media. Um, it's, it's inevitable. Um, he's just that good. He's that important to the club. He's at the right club for him with the right manager. Uh, he's exactly what we need. He's what we need within the team, within the squad, within how we play. He's, uh, I, I kind of did a, a not very well thought out tweet yesterday on Saka being the new Messi. Um, I know yeah. that might be no, that, that, that seems apt. I'm here for it. <laughs> I don't want to go too big or put too much of a spotlight no, that, on him. Just, that's just the right level. That's just the yeah. right level. I just don't want to get out hyped by somebody who says, "Oh, look at my tweet back in 2022 where I said he was the new Messi," and I'm sitting there thinking, "Shit, I should have tweeted it at some point." But could like, you go farther? Could you say he's like the new Messi riding on Ronaldo's shoulders? I like that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, hang on while I tweet that before you do. Like shark riding an elephant. You know, just the, <laughs> how, how big can we go here? You know? uh, yeah. So uh, in Ronaldo's back swimming pool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, oh, oh uh, and yeah, Saka with the inflatable Unicorn. thing yeah. in the pool. Oh, yeah. and he gets savaged by the shark. Oh, no, it's mm -hmm. all going terribly wrong. Um, rumors that Messi has at his pool has an inflatable Bukayo Saka. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my yeah. mind's going to other places now that I'm Let's, too much yeah, of a professional right. to get into. Yeah. Well, um, you Thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> I'm too much of a class act to go. Like a year ago, three years ago, I told the aristocrats joke on our podcast, and I wouldn't do that now, Elliot. Paul, we're one step away from being sponsored by a website that ends in tube. Okay, can you please carry on? <laughs> Lube. <laughs> yeah. um, no, oh God, we're back again. Pull me mm -hmm. out, pull me out. Uh, tube, any of those. Yeah, please continue. Yeah, so, um, yeah, look, it couldn't be going any better for him, us, uh, w whether he's on 220 plus bonuses, 230, 210. Like, who cares? He's great. Um we have him on a really good deal for him and for us. Oh, I've got a bone to pick with you, Elliot. Okay. You, That's yeah. a first. I listened to a pod you did with Clive for a change, and uh, you said, you, <laughs> you phrased it that I said we the deal was all about the fact that Saka loved the club and that, you know, that was my take on it. And it, it was like naive Paul doesn't think it's about money. I never said that. I never thought money was going to be an issue because we were going to give him all the money. Yeah, yeah, and, no, that's true. You did, you did say that. And happily, because we want to lock this guy in and we want him to feel good. And it's nothing. It's nothing. This guy is the new Salah. He's the new Robin. He's 
75% of Messi. Go on, shoot me, you bastards. Um, <laughs> he's phenomenal. Like, I do want to go back to that thing in The Athletic. They, the Athletic did a piece entitled, it's just, it's a lovely thing to read if you haven't got to it. It's entitled Bukaya Saka, The Moment I Realized Arsenal for, the Arsenal Forward Was Special. Now, when you, when you think this is the collection of bastards who did a sin over Tottenham uh, versus... Being inevitable? Ar- yeah. He, he sure yeah. was inevitable, yeah. <laughs> and some of the, these are all the same guys, but, like, this is beautiful. Like, I forgive Nick Miller for this. He says... Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful pass. Do you want to read just a, a quote yeah, from it? Yeah. A little mm-hmm. section. He says... Uh, blah, blah, blah. I, I knew he was good the first time I saw him. Then he goes, but I realized he was truly special through my dad. Being a Nottingham Forest fan, dad w- has had become pretty disillusioned with the Premier League over the years because of money and the moral warping of top-level football, etc. He's had a season ticket of Forest since the 70s. Uh, he was barely even watching match of the day at this point. Saka changed all that. This vibrant, skillful, thrilling young player who someone once described as like watching the concept of fun play football. Hmm. My dad, he made his his dad connect with top-level football beyond his own fandom again. I occasionally get texts from my dad saying something along the lines of, Saka, my hero. Dad's <laughs> 71 and has seen most of the greats of the past 60 years of watching football and haven't seen him enthuse over anyone like this for years. That's special. And there's four, five, six top journalists in the athletic talking about the moment they realized Saka was special. I mean, Jesus Christ. I've never seen anything like that. Long, it, long it, may continue. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, one of the sections about this is the way you want to see England. This is the way you want to see football. Um, like people can just see in this player a quality guy and he's go- he, he'll use it all as fuel. Um, mm. And he'll take us with uh, with him. And he's got the right manager. He's learning how to play, how to manage his body, how to ride tackles. We got all we got his metrics dashboard there with the physios. Like none of our players are going to play in the red zone. There could be like you can get an unfortunate moment in a football game, but it's not. 20 years ago with, Rain, with Wayne Rooney going to the Chinese on a Wednesday night uh, to get a takeout and then crashing into lunatic challenges at the weekend, getting into Barney's, yeah. getting double-footed, two-footed by guys all over the pitch. Like, the game has changed. Uh, Saka's a smart, clever guy with good balance, manages himself. They got dashboards up the wazoo to keep him out of the red zone, as they have with other yeah. players. It's all no, good. I- and the one point I'd say about this weekend is the last thing you want to do at the start of the run-in against Leeds United at home is send any kind of message as Mikel Arteta that you're not taking this game as seriously as it could be. He's absolutely going to start Saka. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. To, to, to your point, Paul, yeah. the three points at Anfield are far from a guarantee. Yep. We may not get them. We hope we do, but we may not. And we can win the title not getting them. You know what we can't do? We can't win the title dropping them at home to Leeds. Yeah. So if you said to me, do we take this game seriously? Like, you have to take this game seriously because this is these are the banker, right? These are the three. This is the banker. These are the three you have to get. Uh, and you got to set a want, marker. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if you want more lavish praise, praise lavished on Bukayo Saka, Clive and I, in the same pod where we laughed at Conte and scouted Rice, did a long section on Bukayo Saka and his ascendancy. 
Clive, I, I don't think he'll be rotated. I, I just don't think there's a need to do it necessarily. Um, I don't think the international fixtures are as intense. We have a full week between Leeds and Liverpool, so I think he will start. I think it'll be played. I think we've got the five subs available to us. But you know, one player who will certainly hope that we get into a position to allow him to have an impact here, I would think, is Emil Smith-Rowe. Um, this is where I think it does start to get a little bit interesting because that's a player that I'm sure Mikel would like to see as a weapon that he can use during this run-in. Much like I think now is the time to reinsert Jesus as a starter and really see how we fire when he's starting and give Mikel the hard choice of what to do going to Anfield, and we'll have a week to talk about that. I think it would be brilliant if ML Smith-Rowe could get more than you know, stoppage time against Leeds and and make an impact and really reinsert himself into this conversation in a way that Reese Nelson's had the opportunity to do. Do you see that being something that might might happen this weekend, might happen during this run-in? Do you, do you see a, a window for him to still make his mark before the season is over? Oh, I hope so, because our recent memories and uh, him and Bakayo dragged us up from, you know, from the depths of the lower reach of the league and, and helped us see a, a positive direction. And their introduction to the team has got really fun memories for all of us. But I think there's a much broader discussion to have about Smithrow. I've got to be honest with you. Um, sometimes you have to listen to me about what I don't embellish on. And I've, I've mm. always found, I've always been quite consistent with this player. I feel as though it's not about his talent. It's about his ability to play football and his future was linked to the state of his physicality and his body. Uh, and But we can have a debate now. So you'll talk about Gabriel Jesus starting. We know where he's going to start. We know where he's going to play. Right. So we did a scouting podcast on Declan Rice this week. He can play one or two positions. Take your choice. Doesn't worry me. We know where he would play in, in our team. Right? Smith Rowe, we have a discussion to have about what his best position is what his role is. Does he play on the interior, the exterior? Does he play left? Does he play left eight? Does he play false nine? Does he play on the right? So defining his role, and when he came to us, by the way, he played mostly as number 10 on that right-hand pod. So defining his role based on the squad dynamics now is a bigger discussion. And the three of us may not even agree. In this small room, we may not agree. And the people listening are all shouting what they think he is. And then you have mm-hmm. to think back to the last time you saw him having an impactful performance in said position. Which one was it? Right. So, and so I'm finding myself now doing sums in my head and saying, you know what? I think he can play in here. I think, no, someone will say he can play out here. Oh, he's a good player. Now, let me give you my view on him. I think he's a one touch finisher. If you look at all the best things he's done, look at all the goals. There are one touch finishes in the box. He finds a lane of traffic out of nowhere, bang goal. Right, So around the box, he turns into something else. He's got a clear picture, left foot, right foot, side foot's the lot. Right, He can do a lot. So I think about, okay, I look at the dynamics of the team now. Martin Elliott's now a year or so older and, and three yards quicker. Can't beat him on the outside. Trossard's come in now, playing in the interior, looking quite neat, knows what he's doing, 28 years of age, international. This is easy for him. Sit down, put your shin pads on, just go and play. Right, so... It's it's very interesting. Vieira's come in, hit and miss. When he hits, he's hot. When he doesn't hit, we need to we got a problem, right? Some people say Vieira's been throw who deserves more time. It's a debate, isn't it? I mm. I always go back to that Villarreal game and where he played false nine in the first leg. 
And I thought that was so instructive. And because we didn't win that game, everyone focused on the changes we made for that game. And I think we had situations at left back in that game. We played surprise in midfield. And we played Smith Rowe as a false nine. And I thought, bingo, that's what I would do. Based on his ability to receive turn, his security in possession, laying it off, but also his arrival in the box is really, really, really his talent. That will also work on the left, eh? That will also work on the left wing if you've got an overlapping fullback. But I think it's a it's a great discussion, isn't it? It's a great discussion. So although I agree with your sentiment earlier about him having an impact, which we all want him to have his Reese Nelson moment, I couldn't pick what position that would be from. And therein lies the challenge he has. He has to define his game so strongly that it's obvious where he plays. It's obvious what role he can play. Because right now, I couldn't call it with any certainty. You know? Maybe that's not what we want. Maybe we want numberless players that mm. can just play in a number of positions. That's, that's no problem neither. <coughs> Phil Foden does. Yeah. You know, Jack Greenish could if he's allowed to. You know, um, Bernardo Silva does. Are we looking for a number of those type of players? I'm cool with all of it. But it's down to him now. And you see the words like I do and the nomenclature around him, Elliot. It's down to him yeah. now to show it. No one else. He's pain-free. He has to show it. And I... If he's listening to people around him that really matter, and like we are listening to people around him, the moment is really around the corner, isn't it? It really is. If you read in Arteta's comments, certainly. Uh, Paul, you had a question? Yeah, so, um, Clive, I agree with all of that. Um, what, I, what I'm trying to position here with Smith-Rowe, uh, they can't all be starters, and I know you've made this point, and I agree with it. We can't just look at the uh, the paradigm of starting 11 or you're not in the starting 11 especially next season we'll have four competitions blah 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 I think all of that is true but we've you've also talked about this and I think this is a thing impactors right as as Arteta's talked about you've been talking about this for a little while uh, you see it with rugby all the time I think Smith Rowe is this new category of player like not all subs are impactors. They're just subs, right? Yeah. Arteta can dress it up, and it's the right mindset and mind frame for this run-in. Everybody's an impactor, and they are. But as things go forward, you know, he's doing his Zoom conference calls with uh, Eddie Jones and these these guys in other sports, which I think is really important for him right now in particular, just to take a slight diversion. There's actually a question at the end of this, Clive. But... I'm delighted that Arteta is spending time talking to your Eddie Joneses of this world because otherwise what he has is a, a mental challenge that the guy he's coming up against in this run-in is his mentor, Pep Guardiola, which if you have a limited tunnel view becomes pretty fucking intimidating as you get to eight, seven Absolutely. games, six yeah. games. And here he is, clearly has a much more expanded universe that takes him beyond thinking that framework that he once learned with and for Pep. So I'm delighted he has these other voices, these other mentors that he can lean into for this kind of, to get that vibe going and have those conversations. Because otherwise it's a lonely world with him and Pep. But I kind of would like to get Clive's view. Like, I just think Smith's Rose weakest part of his game right now is that he's not really a force in midfield when he drops in, when he's the, like 
second pivot, the second pivot, the eight in Shaka's side, which has to do defensive, uh, kind of build from the midfield and attack. He's very much the kind of the attacking third player, the top half of midfield. And, and therefore, have a lot of time for the false nine idea with him. That would be a, a very nice answer. Um, or the attacking eight when we need to attack with the eight. We've got 30 minutes to go and we need a goal or 20 minutes. We need somebody to come on and impact. I just think he might be truly an impactor as opposed to a sub going forward. And that might be a really good role for him with the other competitions for the next two or three years. Especially, by the way, with his body being what it's been so exactly far, right i mean yeah. if he can be a really impactful meaningful option in 30 minute bursts and that lets him build up some durability of his own and and some get, you know get into the physical shape he needs to be that's not the end of the world um i think clive uh yeah clive <laughs> i mean <laughs> i never actually asked you <laughs> yeah is Question that mark. is that way off or do you think no it's not way off i think I, I hope when I was describing him, I used the word role rather than, you know, because I think he has to find his role in the group, you know. And Paul, that leads to your point around impactors. And you know what? His hottest period was when he was coming off the bench. You know, there was a period before when he was carrying that injury, he was coming off the bench and he was scoring every single time. And maybe that's how, the way football needs to be now. If you look at the global calendar, what's happening to the global calendar, maybe we're going to have to look at games in sections. You know, people will have minutes. You heard me, minutes is the currency, not starts. You know, so you know, there's just more and more football coming to the to the feet of the same group of people. And so, is our people like Smithrow prepared to be somebody that has a different role? Well, when he signed that contract and asked for number ten, I don't think he was thinking like that. But the game moves very, very quickly. When he asked number ten. You know, you you carry a certain weight in that shirt, right? And there's expectation around you. So, but you know, for example, now if Arsenal were to buy another centre midfielder in the summer, and Granit Xhaka's role changes in the squad, you know, he becomes somebody else who has a reduced role at the moment. He starts in the finishes every single game by the odd one in one hundred. Will his role has to change as he ages? And this is the discussion. If Tim was on the if Tim was on the podcast now, this is exactly what he would say, right? He said, Savina Vigman, the England manager that won the Euros for the women, she gave the players roles, clear roles. They knew what their roles were, and they didn't question it. They knew they'd be subbed. They knew when they'd be coming on. They knew who they'd be coming on for. They knew who they when they sat in the hierarchy. And I think I see football going this way a lot more because there's just too many games, too many minutes. And we can't sit here and say, this guy needs to play with single one because we will ruin careers if we do that. So just this next period of Arsenal squad building, Elliot, well, I know we're not at that stage yet with the podcast season yet, but mate, I'm ready for that with you and with Paul as well because I think it's going to be so interesting when that happens. And let's be clear, there's a time for thinking this way and there's a time for not thinking this way. And next season is absolutely the time. There's going to be games all over the place, fixtures, you know, every 48 hours. But like... With 10 games to go, one a week to win a title, it may not be the time to think that way. And it may be the time to say to players, you know, I can't think about your role right now. I have to think about these 10 games and nothing more. And in the summer, we'll reevaluate, Paul. Yeah. um, Look, there's going to be four competitions next year. And these players are going to be on a journey where 
you're in and around the first 11 right now, but I'm convinced Arteta doesn't just want to get in the Champions League. He wants to go deeper and he wants to get to the semis and he wants to get to the final and he wants to win the fucking thing. And we're going to look around this squad and players are going to want to be on that journey and playing, being an impactor for a team that's going late into the Champions League rounds and you're getting, like, there's going to be a lot of important games at that point. Uh, I think... Uh, if things go to plan, and I suspect they will, um, somebody like a Smith Rowe will, ha- will have two, three, four years with the club where he may not be an automatic starter, but is playing in big competitions as the club grows and he grows with it. And then in the maybe in four or five years' time, he says, okay, that was fun. Now I want to be a starter somewhere. I want to be a big player somewhere else. But a role within this team as it moves forward, this club with this manager, um, you know, we're talking about 18 players having big roles as we go deep in two big competitions. Yeah. And a big part of this, I mean, we have a manager in Mikel who's a lot like Pep in that if he thinks you're doing the things he's asking of you, you're going to get chances. And if he doesn't, you're not. I mean, I would not want to be Rodri coming back to Man City training. I would not want to be him this week because you were told to injure Odegaard and Tierney and you failed to do either of those things. Can you imagine how mad Pep's going to be when he sees Rodri and he said, I told you to take out Martin Odegaard and Kieran Tierney and you didn't manage either. Now, if I'm Rodri, I would say, but boss, I tried. Look how hard I tried. You know, he did try, to be fair to him. Um, I think Tierney's all right, as it turns out. Uh, Odegaard seems to be fine as well. So I'm sorry, Rodri. You're just, you're going to be in trouble with Pep. I don't know what else to say. Um, but yeah, obviously a joke, but not a joke because that guy, uh, <laughs> he seemed to be going after the Arsenal players in his in his fixtures against Norway and uh, Scotland, which he lost to Scotland, by the way. Um, interesting one there. So uh, look, I, I think, Clive, that we have some decisions to make s- specifically with the lineup, like, so it's interesting because I think if you want to do accuse Mikel of something, one thing you could accuse Mikel of is once he thinks something is working, he's slow to change it. If he thinks it's working, even if the signs are that it might be not working anymore. Um, that was an accusation that was leveled last season when the Lacazette thing seemed to maybe not be working so much and he was trying to just get over the line with it. Uh, there were signs that the Enkedia thing may, may not have been working. He did change it and it made a huge difference. I am curious if he may just say Trissard, Martinelli, and Saka has worked, and that's what I'm going to continue to do, and Jesus will find his role in this squad, and that's how it's going to work. But the interesting one for me in this game is Thomas Partey because Jorginho got signed. He came in. He had a huge impact. got us points that we may not have otherwise gotten, but then subsequently I don't think he's looked great. If Thomas Partey is carrying something, we cannot afford to not have him at the Etihad, to not have him at Anfield. We don't want to be in that situation. We know he's someone who needs to be carefully managed. This is the one I would switch. I would start Jorginho in this game, and I wouldn't feel great about it, especially if you're not going to have Saliba, because Saliba is an important part of our passing and the way we control games, and then Partey is as well, so you'd be taking out two of those critical components. But for me, Clive, you don't risk Thomas Partey on the brink of an injury if that's really the case when you look at what's ahead. That's the one where I know you have to point to this game and say, I'm focused on this game and you're sending a message. But Clive, I I, I think you signed Jorginho for a reason and this feels like the reason you signed him, to protect Party when he's on the brink 
and try to get through a game that you should be able to get through with Jorginho. That's, that's a valid approach, Elliot. I, I'm, I'm generally not sure. Obviously, we don't know how injured he is and why he pulled out exactly because he's in training today, skipping around and smiling. So, hey, look, maybe we've learned a lesson from last year because for all the the angst that we went through towards the end of the season, you know, losing Thomas Partey and Kieran Tierney for the last 10 games or so, just put them in the team and we're, we're already in the Champions League. And that's the truth of it, despite yep. the fact that we were young because, you know, we're already there. It's just down to player availability and the hiding of injury of the players that are actually on the pitch that we had no alternative but to play them, you know? And I don't forget that, but the people that have the narrative around us just say that we fell apart. Well, it was injury that took us, that international break took us out. Paul, I know you know this, you did a podcast on it recently. So this time we were a bit wiser, potentially. So I have my worries. Thomas Party is a little one. Mine Odegaard, again, someone I've always watched coming back for international breaks and I worry about his first game. Second game, absolutely fine. Um, so yeah, in the end, it's down to, you know, I'm, I, the club know more than we do, Elliot. And I am a little bit tired that every time we play Man City, that Party's not there. You know, I'm a bit tired of that. And the biggest games that are really going to dictate our future, somebody's really key is not there. And... I want to see us go to these grounds with all the top boys available. So whatever you need Jesus, to do. Jesus, party. I mean, they haven't really yeah. played us, have they, Clive? They haven't played us with our spine. And, and uh, James did a great yeah. bit on the overlap saying that. And I thought it was a great line. And I told him so. No, they haven't played us with our two centre-backs, our centre-mid and our centre-forward. Come on then. Let, let's see. I know it literally is one of them. Come on then. Let's see what you got. You know, we always play these teams one arm hold time behind our back and we get judged on it. If we go there with the top boys, mate, and line up in the tunnel, say, yeah, let's go. And if we get beat, then fine. We know why we got beat. So, you know, we can discuss that and we all through the summer. But we, we're getting beat in these games. We're getting judged. We're not, we're not mop-handed. We're not, fully, we, we're not fully there. And I want us to be really there for these games. And then we can yeah. judge this group accordingly. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts? On Saliba's situation then, Paul, I mean, we're really in the dark on this. Like, my belief was that we were just being careful uh, going into the international break and wanted to make sure he didn't go away with France, but not pictured in training today. Now, to be fair, Mikel has some history of this, <coughs> telling uh, the club photographers which pictures to put out, which pictures not to put out. Trissard, I believe, was the last one who we weren't sure was going to be available quickly. Do you have... Thoughts on, so I don't think yeah. Saliba will play this weekend, but I'm also, I think I'm a little more sanguine in thinking that he's going to be okay for Anfield. Do you have any thoughts on where we're at with him? I think that's probably right. Look, I I said that I I thought he must be injured if he wasn't going away with France because it's like, it doesn't matter what Arteta thinks. Saliba's going to play for France if he can. There's a centre-back position there he wants to lock down. You know, Arteta's not going to say to William Saliba, and they've had a little history in the past of one of them telling the other when he shouldn't play in such a competition and not, and it didn't go well. And I think that's like, that's why I didn't believe Haaland was injured. There's no way he's not going to play for his country in a qualifier. There's just none. Um, so the Saliba thing was really much bigger for Norway too. Like for Holland to miss that, like he hurt his country. They took one point from six in critical qualifiers. France, 
No yeah, scuffles. but like <laughs> Saliba wants to win the World Cup. No, I agree. And the Euros. I, just, I was just echoing your point. Yeah, yeah. Your point and so he's got all sorts of competition for those spots at center back. Like they've got three, four, five great center backs across the two positions. You know, he's not going to miss any minutes he can get for France. So I always thought there was an injury there. Um, it feels like one where they'll rest him this weekend so that he'll be ready for the next one. Um, uh, and that's the that's basically like holding at a really good game for us the last time out. And uh, yeah, if ever there was a player in our squad who needed two or three games before we judged him, and he's always getting judged on a few minutes he played here, a few minutes he played there, where he didn't look that great. Like God bless him, uh, great guy, and he needs two three games in a row to to show his best stuff. So this would be basically two games in a row. Uh, I think he'll be plenty for us um, if he's got White on one side of him and uh, Gabriel Magliash on the other. We should be good if Party can play even better. If it's Jorginho, yeah, okay. Now it's 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 getting a little more interesting with Jorginho and Holding, but I think we can manage it. This is one where uh, that's the area where you you just think this is about ten games, not one. And you've got enough elsewhere to to make it work, I think. Yeah. Uh, should mention that the Arsenal official Twitter account has just put out a hype video for Gabriel Jesus in some uh, boots that say back stronger. Uh, <laughs> I think we may be seeing Gabriel Jesus from the start on Saturday. Also, um, as, as we wrap here, congratulations to Arsene Wenger, who was elect, uh, inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame. I can't imagine anybody actually cares about that, nor that he needed that accolade um to feel good about his contributions and his accomplishments uh nor do we like I, i'm not really a hall of fame person i think some people do care about that i think it's more of an american sport thing to be fair and um you know i, I don't i don't want to rubbish it i just think he's obviously that he's one of the two great managers in premier league history along with alex ferguson who also shockingly went into the hall of fame so congratulations to them but uh any accolade he receives well deserved certainly a lot of love for what he accomplished and i think the beautiful thing about what Mikel is achieving is that I think it allows us to have a little distance from Arson and appreciate him as we should and as we must um, without some of the wounds of his departure and where we were in the in the wake of his departure. So I think we can leave it there. Um, we'll obviously have an instant reaction at, at full time on Saturday. We'll have a big announcement on Saturday and, and all through next week. We will have uh, a, a much better podcast on Monday, I think it's fair to say. Uh, almost impossible not to. As um, you know, I give this at best a six out of ten. You know what? This was this was the Rob Holding podcast. We did we did the job we had to do on this Thursday to get us to Monday's pod. Um, and and that's that's what you ask from from so every once in a while. You just need a solid six out of ten. You just can't drop a, a complete clanger. And I, I don't think we've done that. So kudos to us uh, and kudos to you for listening all the way through it. Paul is on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Thanks, Pause. You're welcome. Uh, Tim Stillman is being assessed for the weekend. Going yeah. with the theme. Yeah. See, that's the thing. We're going to need him for a Monday pod, right? Yeah. That, that's the thing. We got through this, but we can't have any rotation for a Monday pod following a big win on Saturday. Clive's on Twitter, Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. So you were the Bakayo Saka. Like, we still had you. And because we had you, we were able to get through what Paul and I delivered uh, on this podcast. So it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a squad game, right? And, it's a and squad also, 
Clive was doing the Pakaya Saka where he was just managing himself in the game. It was one of those exactly. where he's like coasting because he didn't Podcasting need within to. himself because he knows yeah. he's going to be needed for the instant reaction. He knows he's going to be needed for the Monday pod. And that's the professionalism that he brings. We have Mike Goodman from the Double Pivot pod talking top four race on Patreon. We have a SCAC, stats guy and a civilian, uh, talking about the run-in with Paul and Scott. We have Clive and I doing a Declan Rice scouting video, laughing at Conte and praising Pakaya Saka. We'd hope to have you over there, especially given that we are going to be giving away quite a lot of that money uh, next month. More on that. Anon, my name's Elliot Smith, the Bachman, Twitter, Gang Gunner. Come on, Arsenal. Big, big run in. Are you ready for it? Uh, I want to raise my hand and say clearly, I am not. I love you. We love you. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10 leads him. make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer mail checks invoices documents and everything you need to keep your business running get rates up to 89 percent off usps and ups and with the mobile app you can take care of mailing on the go make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with stamps.com sign up at stamps.com with code program for a special offer that's stamps.com code program